Bebo loves you. Bebo hungry. Bebo. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I exhausted my Bebo-ness. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to this legendary episode of Super Sci-Fi Party, the only podcast where we talk exclusively about fun science fiction movies, TV shows, and more. No post-apocalyptic downer sci-fi allowed. My name is Todd Kinsley, and with me as always is my Bebo-petting, Damien Dark-fretting, timeline-resetting co-host and brother, Scott Kinsley. How are you doing tomorrow, Scott? (laughs) I hope I'm doing well. Oh, tripped you up there. (laughs) Today, we're talking about the television show DC's Legends of Tomorrow and the episode titled Bebo, the God of War, which was season three, episode nine in the series. Legends of Tomorrow debuted on the CW on December 5th, 2017. Scott, what was competing with Legends of Tomorrow back in 2017? Uh, It was up against Blackish, Seal Team, The Mick. And Will and Grace, The Revival. Well, we definitely have watched many episodes of Blackish, and I'm going to pretend that I don't even know what Will and Grace is. <laughs> or why they remade the second one. To be fair, I haven't seen a single single episode of the reboot. Yeah, I don't think they really needed The Revival, but enough audiences liked it. They kept it around for a season or two. Legends of Tomorrow is a television show on the CW, and it's part of of the CW's DC television universe, which consists of several shows, including The Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, Black Lightning. You think of any others? Uh, Batgirl. This particular episode of Legends of Tomorrow was written by, and this is, let me tell you, the names for the actors and the characters in this particular show are going to be rough. (laughs) Because I do not know them all. I have not heard them all. Uh, Most of them I've only ever seen in print, even though I like the show. Um, I I don't know how to pronounce all the names, so I apologize to everyone ahead of time. The episode, Bebo the God of War, was written by Green Godfrey and James Egan. It was directed by Kevin Mock. And it's an ensemble cast, uh, so it's rather large. Um, It starred Brandon Ruth. As Dr. Ray Palmer, a.k.a. The Atom. Katie Lotz as Captain Sarah Lance, a.k.a. White Canary. Franz Drema as Jefferson Jackson, a.k.a. Half of Firestorm. Maisie Richardson Sellers as Amaya Jewe, a.k.a. Vixen. Amy Louise Pemberton as Gideon, which is the computer voice. Tala Ashi as Zari Tomaz. Nick Zano as Dr. Nate Haywood, a.k.a. Steele. Dominic Purcell as Mick Rory, a.k.a. Heatwave. On this episode, had special appearances by Graham McComb as Professor Martin Stein, a.k.a. the other half of Firestorm. John Noble as Mollus, who was just a voice. And Jess McCollin as Agent Ava Sharp. Oh, I like her. (laughs) Yeah. That's fair. Now, that was a mouthful, wouldn't you say? 
That was quite impressive. You made it all the way through. Yikes. For those of you who don't know, Legends of Tomorrow is one of the only DC TV shows not based directly upon a comic book series. And it was also the first true ensemble cast show. They had other shows like The Flash, which was revolved around The Flash, or Arrow, which revolved around Arrow. Batgirl, presumably, revolves around Batgirl. (laughs) And I know Black Lightning revolved around Black Lightning, but this was an ensemble cast where there was no particular one person to focus on, which made it different from the other DC series. Uh, Before we get going, I'm going to tell you, Scott and I really, really like Legends of Tomorrow. We are definite fans. It is probably, well, no, it is definitely my favorite DC superhero TV show and probably just my favorite superhero TV show, period. How about you, Scott? Yeah, I would definitely put it up very high on there and a lot of the reason, although some of the other shows have fun occasionally, it's... Always been, or seems like it was always a priority in Legends of Tomorrow to have fun. Well, I don't know if it was always a priority, but Mm. it definitely got there. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Fair enough. Legends of Tomorrow, for those who don't know, revolves around a team of superheroes who have a time-traveling spaceship, and they go through time trying to fix time anomalies, which they call anachronisms. Why is anachronisms better than anomalies? Very good question. It sounds uh, more high-tech, I guess. I don't know. Maybe anachronism is more specific to time instead of an anomaly, which could be an anomaly in readings or anything. Yeah, but they don't just say anomalies. They say they could say time anomalies. True. And then people wouldn't have to Google it like I did, just in case. But actually, I need to correct myself because I said a team of superheroes when, in fact, when the show started... It was a team of superheroes and supervillains, which is another way that makes it unique as far as the DC shows go. Because in the original series, they had McRory as Heatwave and Leonard Snart as Captain Cold, and they were both villains, were they not? Yes, they were both villains introduced on The Flash. So I don't know who came up with that crazy idea, but it's brilliant. Putting villains on a superhero team And, of course, Captain Cold passes away during the series, and Rory continues. Actually, he is one of only two original legends that still exist on the show. And he, of course, has, over time, slowly become a reluctant hero, which is kind of part of the charm of Legends of Tomorrow. So you have a team of time-traveling superheroes, and in this specific episode, they lost a team member on the episode prior. So they're bummed out. But they dive into work, which leads to them investigating an anachronism in a Viking settlement in the New World. The legends realize that the Vikings are worshipping an artifact as their god and are surprised by the artifact's origin. At the same time, Sarah is worried they might need to back up when Damien Dark shows up. And there's a subplot in which Dax, a.k.a. half a Firestorm, finds a loophole that could potentially save the other half of Firestorm who passed away in the previous episode. And it's about, is he willing to try to change time? Which is always a theme on any show about time travel. It always comes down to, do you save your friends from passing away if you know they're going? Or someone that you like? Or stopping some event from happening? Basically, do you change time? Duh, yeah. (laughs) You're like, of course, it's what the show's about. So that's a basic summary of the episode. To break it down a little bit more, the episode starts at a famous toy store called Toys Are We in 1992. (laughs) 
which is obviously if you see the front of the store and the sign, it's a big send up of the old toy store, Toys R Us, which by mm. the way, I saw an article today that said Toys R Us was just sold yet again. Really? Yep. I think it filed chapter 13 or was sold just before chapter 13 and then now it's sold again. Yeah. I thought I heard something like originally, didn't they like kind of shut down or filed chapter 13 and then they were... And closed all the stores, I think. Yeah, they closed all the stores. Seems like they were going to reopen as an online-only toy store. I remember reading something about they were going to try to put mini toy stores inside of yes. other stores or something. That's it. That's the one. But I don't I don't know if that plan is still happening. Apparently that tanked. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they've moved on to other owners. But huh. I digress, as I do a lot on this show. <laughs> The plot starts out in 1992 at Toys R. We, wink, wink, <laughs> where Martin Stein, one half of Firestorm, a young Martin Stein, he's actually, I believe, in his late 60s on the show normally, but of course, this is a time-hopping show. So it's 1992, and a young adult Martin Stein is at the toy store trying to find the toy to end all toys for that season. Um, You know... Every couple of years, there is a toy that is the toy for that year that all the kids must have. Uh, Those of you who are elder among us will remember (laughs) the fabulous Cabbage Patch Kids from back in the 80s. That was a must-have toy. Mm -hmm. Um, Name some more must-have toys, Scott. Uh, Seems like Teddy Ruxpin was a real big seller for a while. Teddy Ruxpin was huge. And, of course, there was a toy called... Tickle Me Elmo, which I believe this is a direct send-up of Tickle Me Elmo, um, because the toy is called Bebo, and it is furry, um, a stuffed furry doll animal that talks, kind of like Teddy Ruxpin, or Tickle Me Elmo, for that matter. Yeah. So the whole send-up is it's kind of a spoof of Martin Stein trying to find Tickle Me Elmo And to make a long story short, he grabs the last one. Here's the part I'm still unclear about. How does he travel through time with Bebo? Uh, He's running away from the angry mob who's apparently going to beat him to death to get Bebo. They're mad at him because he spotted and grabbed the last Bebo. And as he's running through the aisle... All of a sudden, there's a flash of light, and he travels through time. It's No, you're right. It's not very well explained. It just kind of happens. So Martin travels through time and back to early America, which, if you know your history, was supposedly discovered, quote-unquote, if you don't count the indigenous people who already lived here for thousands of years, it was discovered <laughs> by the Vikings, who supposedly discovered it, what, 450 years before Columbus? Something like that, yeah. Something. So he blinks back in time to when the Vikings are exploring the coast of the New World, a.k.a. North America. Yes, seems like they actually hit North America, possibly up in the lower parts of Canada, I think. So Martin becomes the anachronism that they're trying to fix because apparently his presence pollutes the timeline, making the Vikings have an unexpected consequence on history. And this sends the legends back in time to try to figure out what the problem is. The legends gear up in their best Viking gear and go to find the problem. And they find Professor Stein, 
they cut him down from the net he's caught in and they say, all right, let's get out of here. And he says, no, I need to grab my Bebo doll. And they're like, just leave the doll. He's like, no, you don't understand. Well, it turns out that the Vikings have made a god out of Bebo. <laughs> of course they did. Well, I think it would be very unusual if you put yourself in the mindset of a Norseman from many, 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 many years ago. And all of a sudden there was this blue thing. First of all, you've never seen a blue animal before and it speaks. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like Professor Stein kind of explained it as, yep, it was very easy for them because they have all their mythology and then, you know, and believe in trolls and everything. And then, like you said, poof, there it is. It's speaking to him. <gasps> poof, there it is. Poof, there it is. <laughs> Sorry, we've been watching uh, that lovely, what's that commercial for? I don't even know. Insurance? <laughs> when they're standing in the kitchen. I digress. <laughs> So they, the Vikings have a history of mythology revolving around crazy looking creatures, animals and monsters. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that one of the Vikings, one of the two rulers of the Vikings, uh, who are apparently a brother sister team, the sister it basically seems to know what she's doing and she's using Bebo to control her people. For instance, <laughs> Bebo will say, Bebo hungry. And she'll be like, did you hear that? Bebo is hungry for war. Or hungry for the death of so-and-so. Or hungry for a Big Mac. Bring it to my tent. Mmm, Big Mac. Whatever it is that she she kind of, quote-unquote, interprets what Bebo says. And somehow it always happens to uh, coincide with her will. That's weird. I wonder if the programmers knew that when they were making Bebo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm glad no one else has ever tried that in history. Tried to say that a, a deity aligns with his vision of the world and... <laughs> okay, we won't go there. We won't even go there. Oof. So the Viking, the co-head of the Vikings is using Bebo as a quote-unquote god to help her control her brethren. And apparently this has an effect on the future because one of the legends is talking to her friend and enemy. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the episode. Yeah. yeah, at this point, her frenemy who works at the Time Bureau which is an organization that deals with time and time problems before the legends came along and made themselves self-appointed guardians of the timeline. The Time Bureau consists of regular humans who take care of the timeline, whereas, of course, the legends are superheroes, but they don't always follow the rules and they're not exactly, their ideas aren't always aligned with Time Bureau. But anyway, she talks to her friend at the Time Bureau who mentions something about Bebo Day which is apparently taking over Christmas. So the future has been, well, the present future, depending on your perspective, has been compromised. First of all, the Vikings stayed in the New World because originally in actual history, they went back, they discovered it, and then went back. They didn't stay and colonize. But in the new alternative history, the Vikings colonized the New World, a.k.a. the United States, and they keep Bebo with them as they do it. So Bebo becomes the god of North America, and North America becomes New Valhalla. New Valhalla. I think it'd be an awesome name for the country. That's what I was just going to say. I like that name better. Can we vote to call it New Valhalla? We can vote. Do you remember 
no. a fabulous place that we were going to meet up if there was ever some kind of big, like, life-changing, crazy, like if the FBI came for us or the CIA or, you know, we watched too much TV and movies, where we were going to meet if some kind of crazy thing happened and we felt we had to flee the house. Of course. And what was it called? The Valhalla Motel. The Valhalla Motel in fabulous Houghton Lake, Michigan was going to be our rendezvous point in case things got really crazy in our lives, which of course they never did. Or at least least have not yet. (laughs) Unfortunately, that won't work anymore because the Valhalla Motel is closed for good. Yeah, but we know the location still. Vaguely. I don't know. I don't know what the Valhalla Motel is now. I don't know if it's still there or been torn down. Probably something with a much less fun name, if I had to guess. Boo. So, Legends of Tomorrow did not start out as our favorite DC superhero TV show. Actually, just our favorite superhero TV show, period. Because, let's face it, Marvel, Marvel superhero TV shows leave a lot to be desired as of yet. Very true. As of the recording of this podcast. But Legends of Tomorrow, when it started... It kind of had a main character, and it was much more serious affair. I mean, it still had time-traveling superheroes, so not super serious, but but the plots were a lot more drama. It's drama. Yay, drama. Depressing, downtrodden drama. Whereas something happened that I really couldn't find any explanation for when I researched this episode. Between seasons two and three, suddenly the tone lightened. Even the names of the episodes lightened, the music lightened, everything lightened and became more funny and more weird. And suddenly the show became fantastic. Would you agree? I absolutely agree. And I think it was the power of Bebo. The power of Bebo. That is the first season where Bebo is mentioned. But even the non-Bebo episodes, oh yeah, something just changed with the writers and I could not find any explanation for it on the web. I tried to see if I could find an interview with the writer that talks about why they made a change, but uh, also the ratings went up after they did that. They went up between season one and two, but then they went up even more between season two and three. So apparently a lot of people agree with us that the show became better. Yeah, I figured out why. They time traveled forward heard Super Sci-Fi Party, the podcast, and decided that they wanted to make fun sci-fi and then instituted it back in season three. That's right. You can thank us. Yes. But seriously, folks. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know exactly why. I did some research and it turns out that, and we have never seen this article before today, but the Sci-Fi Channel, spelled S-Y-F-Y. Siffy? which we won't go into the whole thing about how they changed from the regular spelling of sci-fi to an alternate spelling so they could sell merchandise and things. <laughs> Not going to go into that, though. Apparently, we just did, so they could trademark S-Y-F-Y. <laughs> anyway, the Sci-Fi Channel has, obviously, online promotional uh, materials and a website and whatnot. Uh, one of those is called Sci-Fi Wire, S-Y-F-Y again. And the writer Lauren Coates wrote an article that aligns exactly with our feelings on Legends of Tomorrow. And the article was called DC's Legends of Tomorrow went from forgettable spinoff to the Arrowverse's best show by getting weird. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, yes, that is exactly what happened. And she speaks of many of the things we speak of. 
She said virtually every aspect of the show went from being typical CW superhero fare to borderline insanity. Gone were stuffy, broody plot lines that bogged down the show's earlier seasons. And instead, they were replaced by more episodic storytelling that amped up the comic hijinks and time travel shenanigans. Ooh, shenanigans. I was going to say, you have to love any article that includes the words shenanigans and hijinks at the same time. (laughs) But I totally agree. In fact, I would say if you have never watched Legends of Tomorrow or if you watched a few episodes when it first came out and you didn't like it, I would say skip to season three. You will be able to pick up on the characters and where they're from and blah, blah, blah. But I would say just skip straight to season three. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There is a terrible, terrible rumor going around the internet that the final season coming up is going to be more serious. And I really hope that's not the case. Man, why they got to ruin it right at the end? (laughs) I was going to say, you know they're going to do it, but I still, I hope against hope that they do not. Please don't ruin Legends of Tomorrow during its last season. You made it into something special between two and three. Just keep it special all the way to the end. Please keep it weird. Keep it funny. Keep it lighthearted. It's about time traveling comic book superheroes. (laughs) It doesn't need to attempt to make us cry or be sad or mad or whatever. We need light in this time, not darkness. Yeah, if we still have a chance, man. Send this to the creators of Legends of Tomorrow because we know you're all connected to them somehow. (laughs) Do it. Do it now. (laughs) Find the writer's room on Twitter and send them your thoughts saying, please keep Legends of Tomorrow weird. We like it that way. Anyway, there are a lot of really fun things that happen in this episode. Um, I know you probably have a few yourself, but I'll kick it off. Of course, I loved the Toys R We store (laughs) because I used to actually work at Toys R Us twice over Christmas. Nice. So I have a somewhat special bond with that place. Plus, it was my favorite place to go when growing up, specifically the Dungeons and Dragons aisle and the video game aisle, where we could see the fabulous Odyssey and ColecoVision and Atari and and Intellivision. (laughs) Hey, the action figure aisle was fun, too, with all the Star Wars when they first came out. That's true. I remember being taken to the action figure aisle at the local Toys R Us after Christmas one year when I had received some Christmas money from grandparents and whatnot. And I spent close to $100 on action figures. Our father had taken us to the store. And when he came home, boy, was my mom happy (laughs) that he let me spend all my money on little tiny orange plastic figures instead of buying, I guess she thought I should have bought a sled or a... Something bigger. College bonds. What? No. Oh, come she, on. She wanted me to buy a toy, but something more substantial than a bunch of little plastic guys that would just break apart and disappear. And they broke apart and disappeared. Ah, uh, if only we would have kept them. Exactly. If we if we only would have put them on a shelf and not played with them, it would have brought us it. so much joy. <laughs> okay, I mean money. Yeah, I don't get the people who do that. Much, 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 much later. Well, especially now, there's kind of no point because anything collectible gets collected. There are the the rare exceptions where you don't know it's going to be collectible, though. Like, I believe garbage pail kids are now worth a lot of money. And who would have thought those things would be collectible? Were they just like cards, trading cards? They were. They were crazy-looking trading cards that were a spoof of the aforementioned Cabbage Patch Kids. But they were weird, like zombies and monsters and... Apparently, those are actually worth some big cash now if you have complete collections. 
Huh. So anyway, uh, in this episode, of course, I love Toys Are We. Did I mention the nightmare thing about working at Toys R Us no. over the Christmas season? I think you've heard it before. Yes, I have. But tell us. <laughs> there was a certain certain song. Um, the Muppets do the 12 Days of Christmas. And it would play about once every 45 minutes or so. Nightmare. <laughs> there were other songs. Christmas in Killarney. There was a terrible version of that. and uh, But Muppets do the 12 Days of Christmas. By the time... You know, I worked there for about 30, 45 days around the Christmas season twice. And both times, by the time Christmas came, I wanted to shoot myself in the head if I had to hear the Muppets 12 Days of Christmas one more time. So, of course, we had to go out and find it and give it to it. No, that would have been cool if we had done that. <laughs> and we will play it now. No, we won't because of copyright strikes. <laughs> Thank gosh, because it's still too soon. It's still too soon. Still too soon. It's been, you know, 30 years, however long, 20 years, but it's still too soon. <laughs> Other great things about this particular episode of Legends of Tomorrow. It's going to be tough to explain, but a member of their team who died previously, they found an alternate world version of him. His name is Snart, a.k.a. he was Captain Cold. And this version of him is from an alternate dimension. Uh, so he's called Citizen Gold, or an alternate timeline. Um, to make a long story short, he is playing psychologist to the members of the Legends because he's trying to help them deal with their grief over the death of Professor Stein. But because Legends of Tomorrow has gotten wacky and weird, they don't get too heavy with it. And he pulls out a puppet of Professor Stein. <laughs> and he's trying to get them to talk to the puppet. And at one point, the reformed supervillain Mick grabs the puppet and starts beating it. And they say, uh, are you working out rage issues with Professor Stein, the puppet? And he's like, no, I just hate puppets. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of dealing with the sting of death drama that I want in my TV shows. Yep, that works. There's another great line in this episode where they have gone and saved Professor Stein and cut him out of the net and they're taking him away. And one of the Vikings notice that he has escaped and they say, the outsider has escaped, but it doesn't matter. We still have our God. And then they reveal that it's a Bebo. <laughs> I love that little section. There's also a point in the episode where the legends decide to get all geared up and go into the Viking era, the alternative history Viking era in the United States, and try to solve the Bebo problem. And when they arrive, the leader of the Vikings, one of the co-leaders of the Viking of the brother-sister team, says, are you sure this is wise, brother? We know nothing about these people. And the white canary says, we brought booze. And the next, it cuts away to a scene of all the Vikings partying together. <laughs> that was great. That's all it took to get in great with the Vikings. Were there things you liked in this episode, Scott? No, I hated this episode. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of interesting to me through this episode. It's kind of fun how we start out with Stein shopping for Hanukkah for his daughter. And then it becomes Bebo Day. And then it morphs into Odin's Day. And then we finally come back around to it being Christmas again at the end. <laughs> Well, speaking of Odin, the legends, uh, at that time, it was their season-long villain or multi-season villain called Damien Dark, who is an evil wizard, magic user, I guess. Yeah. Or he stole some magic, anyway, and his evil daughter at the time. Uh, they arrived to thwart the legends' plans because things are going too well with the retrieve Bebo plan, I guess. <laughs> and Damien is pretending to be Odin, and he sits on a throne and gives proclamations like Odin. <laughs> You know, an interesting little aside, 
Remember I said that the brother-sister team rules the Vikings? Yes. The brother's actual name is, his actual first name is Thor. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought it was very cool. I wonder if he gets typecast much. <laughs> it's probably his thing. They're like, oh, we need a Viking type. He's like, wait, I'm an actual Norseman. <laughs> I mean, you brought up the season-long villain thing. I think in this one, Damien Dark actually kind of ends up being the season-long henchman. And the only reason I mention this is because this episode handles a season-long villain like we'd want it to. Well, what's interesting is previously he had been the bad kind of season-long villain. Yes. Where it screws up the show and they can't seem to ever talk or think about anything else except, oh, it's the season-long villain. It's the season-long villain. And for those of you who don't know, if you haven't listened to previous episodes, Scott and I really prefer the villain of the week philosophy, where it's more like a comic book. You would go buy it and you would pop it open and it would be, oh, who's the crazy new villain that my favorite superhero is going to battle in this comic book? And it was one, you know, one or two typically villains that your hero was going to fight. And then in the next issue, they moved on to something else. But a lot of the DC TV shows seem to focus on one season or even series-long villain to their detriment. We have our season-long, I'm calling him Henchman, although for the most part he is the villain. But uh, White Canary eventually ends up in an alternate universe or extra dimension and gets introduced to the true villain of the season, uh, the Mullis, I think you said. And he is only heard, and we only have to deal with that for maybe a minute, minute and a half tops, and then we're back to the fun. And just to show the wacky side of Legends even further, in the final episode, or final episodes, the team can't quit from calling him Mollusk. (laughs) Another thing they did right with Damien Dark, I think he started out as a villain on the Arrow. Arrow, yep. Or Arrow, not the... And when he moved on to Legends, all of a sudden he started having a personality and was actually allowed to make jokes and have a little fun. It's very true. Let me see, another fun moment for me came from Mick. They're getting ready for like their final battle, so it's going to be the Legends versus the Vikings. And there's a big yell and everyone runs off into battle. And then Mick is seen just kind of casually strolling forward for the battle. You know, he's not charging it or anything, just just a casual strut. Well, I think he might have been suffering from alcohol withdrawal. (laughs) Could be. The alternate world dimension version of his ex-best friend and thieving partner. It's easy to keep straight. (laughs) Challenges him to not drink for 48 hours. Of course, he didn't really do that well on his quest to not drink for 48 hours to prove that... He's not an alcoholic because he actually, earlier in the show, tries to steal liquor from Bebo. (laughs) Bebo had been given offerings since he is a god, and uh, Mick actually tried to steal liquor directly from Bebo, or at least that was sitting in front of Bebo, and when he's caught, they're like, how dare you steal an offering to our god? And Mick's like, he's not going to drink it. (laughs) You must love the legends. And actually, I he is probably my favorite character, Mick, a.k.a. Heatwave. The reformed villain or semi-reformed villain? Eh, he does pocket a little change here and there. Uh. He's uh, <laughs> he, 
he generally becomes a good guy, but he's very rough and gruff and angry all the time and definitely somewhat of an alcoholic. He's a highly functioning alcoholic. And they also, after the weirdness starts, it turns out that he is a ghostwriter of books. Um, he ghostwrites as a female author. He ghostwrites, um, let's call them ladies romance novels. <laughs> ladies romance novels. I guess that's a way to put it. <laughs> yes, they tend towards the steamy, smuttier side of romance. I just can't get over all the fun things that the legends do starting season three. All right, last thing that I'm going to talk about that was fun for me in this show is that, you know, Bebo starts out being the god of war, and then they kind of destroy Bebo about halfway through, and then he makes a triumphant return at the end to help the legends fight with uh, the Vikings. (laughs) And it's actually just the Adam inside of the Bebo doll that has him floating around and talking, but... It's just awesome. Yeah, the superhero that can shrink down to a really small size. So he goes inside the Bebo doll and makes him float and talk. And in fact, now that you mention it, this episode is not the last we see of Bebo. Not only within Legends of Tomorrow, but within the quote-unquote Arrowverse, or as I call it, the DC television universe. I almost called it the cinematic universe. I'm like, no, that's cinema. The DC television universe. Um, Bebo becomes a thing after this episode, is how I'll put it. He comes back in the season finale of season three of Legends of Tomorrow in a really big way. (laughs) It's fantastic. You get to see, uh, what, 20 foot tall Bebo? Something like that. 30 foot tall Bebo? (laughs) It's a long story, and then apparently he has appeared in other shows as well in different forms. Like someone has, I can't tell you specifically off the top of my head, but someone has a mobile phone game in a different show that has Bebo on it. Um, There's a photo of Bebo. There's a Bebo commercial. Someone else has a Bebo doll in different shows. So apparently (laughs) it makes its way around the Arrowverse. As well it should. It was awesome. All hail Bebo. Well, Legends of Tomorrow, if we haven't already made the point, is a great show starting at season three. I suggest if you have not watched it, uh, just go, I would say skip straight to season three. You're going to be a little lost on who the characters are and some of the time travel things, but it won't matter for long. You'll be able to figure it out quickly and the things you won't be able to figure it out don't matter. (laughs) It's kind of like real life. Well, we hope you had a fun time hanging out with us today on Super Sci-Fi Party. If you'd like to tell us what you think about Legends of Tomorrow, hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or send us an email at party at com. We'd be more than happy to hear from you. Remember, you can learn more about the show by visiting our website, which is com, And that is the place to be. And we have all our old episodes there as well as some of our top 10 lists and other fun things. So you want to check it out. If you enjoy Super Sci-Fi Party, please pass it along to your awesome sci-fi loving friends and family. We need your help to spread the word about fun science fiction. I think I think people do need to spread the word about fun science fiction, don't you think? Yes, it's a very serious topic. Let's get serious about fun <laughs> science fiction. Please send a link to Super Sci-Fi Party Podcast to your sci-fi loving friends and family and let them check out the show. We sure would appreciate it. Until next time for Super Sci-Fi Party, I'm Todd Kinsley. 
I'm Scott Kinsley. And in the immortal words of Doc Brown from Back to the Future, the future is what you make it. So make it a good one. Ciao, everyone. See ya. loves you Bebo hungry Bebo okay <laughs> I think I exhausted my Beboness <laughs> well we know this is going at the end oh yeah